What is up, Draft Crafters? It's Dan, it's JP. We are back, and we are bringing you, I guess, happy end of the college football regular season or something like that. JP, we had some stuff happen this past weekend, and uh, you are a happy camper as a result, aren't you? I'm happy from the results, from the, the actual, you know, football games, but um, my notes disappeared, Dan. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Wait, so you're going to be basically like just flying blind on this and going off of whatever you can remember you wrote down, huh? No, this is freestyle. Absolutely. This is this raw. This should be entertaining. Yep. Everything is gone. This is just me talking. Is this because you didn't have hardly any teams that you are following that actually made it into championship games this week? Oh, I see what you did there. Well ah. played, sir. Well, we're well going to start played. off – we're going to start off like we always do. And again, so we, we go through the college, we go through the beer, and then we go through the NFL. Well, college this week was all of the college championship games, and there were several, but the ones we're going to focus on, to begin with at least, are the big schools and who stood out. And so both of the teams in the first one were teams that I've been following this year, North Carolina and Clemson. And this was one of those games that kind of felt, JP, with the way that Clemson maybe had uh, stumbled against South Carolina, this might be a really close game, right? And uh, we've got boys on both sides of the field that we want to take a look at. And then Clemson just blew the doors off North Carolina. This game, you know, this is your team, both your teams. I, I'm so confused on what happened in this game. Drake May, a guy that I like a lot, played terrible. Mm -hmm. DJ got benched. Now he's mm -hmm. transferring. Explain to me what's going on, Dan. <laughs> well, DJ got benched in a hurry. He had a very short leash, and he had two series basically to show him that he could do something. And he did not. He ended up two of five for 10 yards. And you can say it's a bit harsh to pull him that quickly, but that's kind of where Clemson's at right now. And they'd obviously seen enough of young Lule and how he had not quite maybe lived up to the expectations they had for him and probably the expectations he had for himself. But Clade Klubnik, who is the or Cade Klubnik, I, I'm going to say his name's wrong so many times. So I'm just going to throw an extra L in there or whatever, is the, the freshman standout who everybody thought might get a chance to take over the reins next year. Well, he came a little early and ended up with the 279 and a touchdown and also ran for 30 yards and a touchdown. And this is the How about that completion now. percentage, though, too. Oof. Right. 20 of 24. And so all the way around, this Clemson offense looked the best it has all season, pretty much, with a different kid under center. And so, yeah, DJ did jump into the tra and the transfer portal, and he'll get a shot to start somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, how that'll go for him, that's another question. But uh, Cole Turner had three catches for 101 yards. And then the guys that we were wanting to look at, though, from a defensive standpoint, the players who we were kind of expecting to be people who uh, are going to be taken high in the draft, uh, Miles Murphy, as an edge rusher, only had three tackles at one QB area. And then Brian Brisset, Brice, Brice, what, what did we decide his name is supposed to be? I don't know. I thought it was Brice. I hear everybody say Brisset. Let's just have fun with it and say whatever we feel like saying. Our boy Brian B. Yeah, BB. He had, he had a tackle and, and two quarterback hurries. So neither of those guys really affected the game too much. But like you said, they didn't really have to because outside of Josh Downs getting 11 catches for 100 yards, yeah, this was Drake May's worst game, and it came, obviously, at the worst time uh, for a person who's trying to put himself on the map. And he's a freshman, though. Let's not forget about that. Two interceptions for him, though, and that's a big reason for why uh, Clemson ended up winning this game handily. And, you know, sometimes you get into that situation where you're trying to push things a bit. You're trying to force stuff a bit, especially if things have been going your way. And so that's a, a little bit of a tough spot there for North Carolina. But Will Hardy did have 13 tackles, and so good for him. Good for... Clemson, though, they get the win, and if they wouldn't have stumbled against South Carolina, they might be in the college football playoff. Instead, 
it's just not happening for them. We jump over to the Big 12, and you get to talk a little bit, bud. This was a crazy game. This is back and forth. This is exactly what people want to see out of a championship game. Still a little bit shocked that the Horn Frogs, they, they, the psychedelics might have got to them a little bit. I don't know. Man. Yes. Um, <laughs> just, just a just a quick question. Does Max Duggan, <laughs> does he win the Heisman? Who wins the Heisman? Does it, do they issue yeah. one this year? Does anybody well, get it? You saw who's uh, who's the who are our finalists, and basically this is the uh, the, yeah, the yeah, 2022 Heisman yeah, is a quarterback award right now. How, how did Stetson even get in? Uh, we can't get in that tangent right now, but he has he no is. business being in there. If he gets a single he vote, is. I'm gonna throw he is. Well, here's the thing: Stetson Bennett, which I am a fan of him, he is the starting quarterback on the number one team in the country, and people are using the whole well, he only really played three quarters in all these games to defend his. Stats and I'm happy for him because I like the guy, but I agree with you. I don't think that he necessarily should be in that conversation. And if he wins it, it's just going to be like we're just going to give it to the quarterback on the best team now. I mean, because I don't even know what the plan is. Yeah, I mean, crazy. But <clears throat> offensively for TCU, though, I mean, like I said, Max Duggan might be the he might be the guy that I would vote for given who's <laughs> in there. I don't know, mm-hmm. but um, obviously, I was offensively I was watching Quentin Johnston for we mm-hmm. we've talked about him the whole year. You know what I mean? But he, right. he definitely showed out. He didn't get in the end zone or anything, but he had she's nearly 150 yards off from like four catches. <laughs> so I would say he, he went ahead and, you know, he, he got it done. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, man, like uh, defensively, there are guys that had, had really good games, but no none of the guys that we had really been talking about as far as a draft perspective per se, you know. Um, right. It's tough, especially not having any notes. But, I mean, some of these guys, <laughs> like, you know, like Banks, he's only a sophomore. He he had right. a solid game for a linebacker, but mm-hmm. um, I know Fox had a good game on the defensive line. But it, it was just strange. I mean, helping losing my my notes definitely doesn't help. But um, <laughs> these are just guys that I don't expect to go in the draft. I know Fox could because he's a junior, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, watching this game, it was really just about Quentin Johnston. I mean, I've talked about Kendra Miller a whole lot. Again, right. he's not draft eligible, so. I think Quentin did exactly what he needed to do so far for mm-hmm. you know to be the number one wide receiver off the board. I think the real conversation for me is just with Max Duggan being a senior, and as I said, probably my vote for the mm-hmm. the Heisman. Where does he go in the draft? This the only thing I remember yeah. writing down on my notes was just where does Max go? Right, because again, he's not someone who's necessarily lit it up all season. He's had a very good season. I mean, he's. You know, 30 touchdowns, four picks. That's always the, the ratio you like to see. But he's kind of quietly had a really good season in the sense that he hasn't generated some of the buzz that other people have. But then he pretty much put this team on his back. And you saw, I don't know if you watched all that game, but there were points in the end of that game where he was literally collapsing, not because he got hit, but because his body was literally like, you are pushing me too hard. And he was he was there. I mean, he, he had the team in position to win the game, and then they just decided they couldn't get six inches on three plays. So, you know. I mean, all things considered, th- this is a QB class that we're not really high on any of them. No. But I mean, we know who the big two are supposed to be, and we know right. they're going to go in the first round, but all things considered. Right. And beyond those big three, like, could Max Duggan be the third best quarterback in here? Well, and that's the thing. Like, this is not a year where we're going to come out of it thinking we have a solid pecking order until after the, the combine and the interviews and the pro days and all that stuff because somebody like Max Duggan could jump in and be up there. But then you've got the guys who are getting seduced by players who've got, you know, arm strength or whatever. Again, people are talking about Quentin Richardson, uh, not Quentin Richardson, sorry, Anthony Richardson, 
quarterback at Florida as the third best prospect for some people. And it's full props to him for jumping into the uh, the draft, as he's already said he's going to to do, because he might not want to give people more tape of him right now. With that's how much fair. That so, is yeah. fair. That's and that's something we'll get into definitely uh, through through the offseason about where we're going to see these guys, where we think we're going to see these guys. And of course, we have our next mock coming this coming week, uh, this week, rather a little later on uh, when we probably do our show Friday. Uh, so the flip side to that, though, for Kansas State, congrats to the Wildcats. The the purple one out. Well, it was all purple, wasn't it? <laughs> you looked at the shots of the crowd. You're like, I don't know who's rooting for who. They're all purple. But uh, they did end up getting the win in overtime, which was nice. Uh, didn't end up mattering for uh, TCU getting into the playoff. Again, we'll talk about that later on. But Deuce Vaughn had a solid game. He's kind of the guy that people have been paying attention to as the real heart of that Kansas State offense. And he had 130 yards and a touchdown, also caught a couple passes. Uh, nobody else really stood out to me. Will Howard will be interesting to see how he develops a quarterback. But uh, FAU on the defense, Felix Anadike Uzamoa had uh, five tackles and a sack and a tackle for a loss in a hurry. So he actually played how you'd like a guy to play at uh, the the edge spot in a playoff champion, in a championship kind of setting. So looking forward to seeing how he comes out of the draft process. I feel like he is a first rounder. I'll be just curious to see where he ends up. And then the game that you were probably paying attention to a little more there, JP, Michigan played Purdue in the Big Ten title game. My played goodness. Is, played is generous. Yeah, dude, stoked. <laughs> you know, and I was pleasantly, like, happy, but very surprised and happy with how this game went because yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of excitement for me watching it because <laughs> I felt like it was a meaningless game, mm-hmm. especially, you know, Having known that, uh, well, we'll get to USC and Utah later, but basically right. that even if Michigan lost this game, like, hell, they could probably make it in still. Right. So it was like, what are, like, should I even be excited for this? But long story <laughs> short, um, I was watching this kind of just focusing on on players who are draft eligible. Did Olu Olu, right. and sorry, that's just because I can't say his full name, but, <laughs> in, it, you know, in lieu of talking about who's going to win the Heisman and me cracking jokes about, you know, hey, maybe they just issue it right. to the Michigan offensive line. But the center for Michigan, Olu Olu, mm-hmm. did he have his best game of the entire year? I mean, again, we we like to, to try to bounce around and use pro football focus, especially for this reason. And, yes, he did. Oh, good call. I just, he did. Okay. 83.9. Okay. So I, the two things I was writing down, because a lot of these guys probably aren't going pro, especially on the offense yet. Mm-hmm. But um, I was I wrote down Olu Olu because he he looked phenomenal. But yeah. then I just wanted to pose the question: Where does Ronnie Bell go? Man, he is such a question mark, and not necessarily in a bad way. You know, it's like he's he's a guy that could easily go second, third round, or he could go fifth round. I really think that he's another player who's going to benefit from the draft process because he's solid. His numbers are solid. His return is solid. He's six foot. He's one ninety. So he's about where you'd expect a wide receiver to be, but it's because of the offense that he's played in. He hasn't really been unlocked his entire career. I agree. Especially missing some time. Right. Exactly. I don't know. I, I don't think he goes on. I think he's a day three guy and he could be a bit of a gem there. So I, I remember right. like, I wanted to give a shout out to Olu Olu. I mm-hmm. wanted to ask where you thought Ronnie Bell would go. And then defensively, I wanted to know where you thought Mike Sanstra would go. Yeah, and that's the thing. I oof, that's another guy that I could see teams being seduced by the uh, the talent that's there. The fact that he's a wide receiver who started who moved over to play uh, on the defensive side of the ball, and so they can see that he's a bit raw there. But he is still a bit raw there. He's made some really great plays. And he is, had, he's played, he's had an incredible season, and I oh, think right. you're. I think you know we 
often, at least lately, refer to PFF. They love the guy, don't they? Uh, last I checked, he's a I bit have, small, though. I mean, he's he, a bit he's, small. He's he's a again, he's a bit of a funky, you know, funky guy. When you think when you look at the team and how he's played this whole year, he's he's just for me, he's a bit of an anomaly when when it comes to how I position him personally, like how I actually look at him and where he fits because he's got those coverage skills that he's still working on because of obviously how he's played, you know, in the past. And yeah, he's only 5'10, 180. So he's not a big guy, but he plays big, you know, put that in quotes. And, and five, 5'10 is not the worst if he actually yeah. is a legit 5'10, but he's going to have to put on a little bit of weight, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's one piece of it. I mean, he obviously has played uh, this whole season and played well. I mean, he's at an 80 basically from, from pro football focus. And part of that's because his, you know, his uh, run defense, his pass rush grades are pretty high. Outside of a couple bad games, he's had a pretty solid season. And again, he's a guy that he hypothetically could stay for another year at Michigan, which I think would be a good idea for him to get one more year in the, the coverage yeah, he, game. He could stay. He's a senior. Right. That's what's tough about trying he's, to figure out who's yeah, going he's pro. A senior he's who technically can still have another year of eligibility. Yeah, I know. Weird COVID thing, so... Uh, I think it would be smart for him to stay another year because I don't think he's generated enough buzz to be up towards the top. And that's one of those things where, especially if you aren't a quarterback, let's I be honest. I think he not, could be a third round pick. Well, he could, but he also might be a, a fifth or sixth round pick, depending on what people think about could. how he comes out of his all of his stuff. And so that's what I think. There's going to be a lot of these guys that we're going to break down as the season goes on, as we we continue to, or as the offseason rather goes on, as we continue to to look at where everybody's at. But Michigan is a team, obviously, in great shape. Donovan Edwards had a great game, too. Uh, and so the one thing I will say is after Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum, the Michigan running back room is a bit rough because they've had to basically make a linebacker or a running oh, yeah. back to trust the freshman. So, but that's why the line looks good. So, I, dude, I think Olu Olu. Yeah. I mean, we know he will be the first. He should be the first center taken. Well, what about Osiris from Florida? That's what I was gonna say. There's a bit of a battle now between those two. I feel like Osiris is a guard though, and he's a center. Yeah, either one could play guard or center, I think. Osiris might end up going as a guard, but mm -hmm. either way, they're both uh, to me, they're the top two interior alignment. I'll give you that, definitely. Flipping the, the side of the field though, Purdue Purdue played a good half. There's a lot of teams tend to do against Michigan, right? Uh, and I will give Charlie Jones his credit. He's probably going to go before Ronnie Bell, even though they're about the same size, because Charlie Jones has had a much more prolific production because he's on a team. A healthier, basketball. too. Yeah, and that, too. 13 catches for 162 yards from him. Uh, he was he was a harder guy for uh, Michigan's defense to hang on to and contain. But Payne Durham, the tight end, that's probably maybe third or fourth on the list right now, depending on how you want to slot guys in there, didn't do much. He only had two catches for 10. And so... Again, Purdue, not a team that probably should have been playing for a title, but that's the fun part about divisions that will eventually go away. Good for them getting there. Good for them throwing up a game. But outside of Charlie Jones, it was kind of a rough night all the way around. Even Aiden O'Connell, who you know might be one of those senior quarterbacks that can sneak into someone's conversation somewhere as a, as a potential gunslinger type guy, did not have a great game either. And so I think that uh, overall – this was exactly what you wanted to see out of a Michigan team that got forced to play an extra game. And, uh, hey, Big Ten champs two years in a row. Can't really complain about that. We're no, popping you out. can't. Absolutely. We're popping out to the Pac-12, where one of your teams and one of my teams um, – well, okay, this time you, I'm not going to make any jokes because your team crushed my team. My team blew the doors off of your team, who I'm convinced <laughs> is a bunch of Ohio State fans. 
Well, hey, look, it was tight half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the second half happened. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you guys obviously are high state fans. Something's going on. But hey, I just got to say this Cameron Rising, mm-hmm. first of all, like he, this guy's get he was lights out in this game. And I looked it up because I, you know, I don't often do the PFF thing. <laughs> they did not give him a respectful grade for this game at all. So I wholeheartedly disagree with their grade on him. First of all, mm-hmm. The way he responded to that hit that he took, oh, that geez. puts him that puts him at a floor seventy grade, right <laughs> there. Not to mention the guy threw for three hundred and three touchdowns. Mm. I mean, it did, he didn't he didn't throw any picks. <laughs> he didn't even fumble the ball. I don't remember what his grade was, but I know it was trash compared to 50, what it should be. Yeah, yeah, his floor was seventy with the way he responded to that hit. But <laughs> you know, just absolutely awesome game from him. But mm-hmm. let's be honest, even, you know, Dalton Kincaid did okay, but he didn't do what he has been doing. I mean, 440, yeah. but I just got to skip over to this defense. I don't even know what guy to talk about. This defense was <laughs> lights out. It was a complete opposite of the USC defense. I know you're getting mm-hmm. there in a minute. But, the dude, they had seven sacks as a team defense, and, like, the mm-hmm. top, the top like, five or six guys all looked incredible. Like, as far as, you know, you go down the stat sheet, Bishop, Huber, Diabate, Vaki, Barton, Reed, they all looked incredible. And what's awesome <laughs> yeah. about this, though, is there's only like maybe two or three of those guys who are even draft eligible because Bishop, right. Bishop's a sophomore, Huber's a senior, and some of these guys might even stay. Diabate's a senior. Mm-hmm. The Vaki guy's a freshman. Barton's a freshman. <laughs> uh, Reed is a senior. So you had like, well, I don't know what it was, three or so. But as you said, COVID could keep some of these guys around, especially seeing so. They haven't had any lights out seasons, but man, this one game would make you think Utah would be really, really good going into next season. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. I mean, again, it depends on who hangs around because Cameron rising as a junior, hypothetically, he's got, he's out. staying. Yeah. He's yeah. going to stay though. He but didn't have like a killer year or anything. But you you're, if you know. make a case that, you know, like a, some of the other guys we talked about might come back. Sure. Hypothetically, you know, like, he, like I would assume he would come back. I think he will. But well, and again, like I said, you never know. Some people hear somebody saying something in their ear, and yeah, I do think he will come back. I think it's a smart move for him, especially with how that team is poised to to look next year. And they had a good season. Obviously, they had a, a couple stumbles, and then for USC, Kincaid's like, gone though. He's going. Kincaid's gone. He's he is probably one and one a. I think still him and, and Michael Mayer when it comes to to tight mm-hmm. ends. Even though he didn't have a huge game in this game, he didn't need to because everybody else was showing up, and he was more of a decoy half the time out there. But for USC, it's funny if you look at just the stats. Caleb Williams had a great game: three hundred sixty-three yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. He uh, also died. He also died. <laughs> he was it looked like he died the out game. there. Yeah. He's limping for most of the game. He's running for his life most of the game. This is by far the worst USC has looked all season on both sides of the ball. Their offense tried, I guess you can say. They couldn't run the ball for anything yes. against uh, Utah. Utah's front just owned them, and that's not what you want to see out of a team that's trying to make a college football playoff. And then, I mean, Jordan Addison didn't even have a great game. Not necessarily 5 for 65 for, for him is pretty pedestrian. And just all the way around, this team got beat. They got beat offensively. They got beat defensively. Caleb Williams, again, probably a good shot at winning the Heisman just because people are throwing their hands up and saying, I don't know who to vote for. Uh, he's, again, had a very solid season, but this was not a game where he put his team on his back and tried to will them to victory. Like Max Duggan did that with his team. 
Mind you, had a little more help on defense. That's been the USC's issue all season long. They couldn't stop anybody on defense. I mean, we we talked about, uh, we actually mentioned it, but Michigan had a bunch of missed tackles against Purdue. Didn't end up costing them in the end. But USC, it was like a freaking matador out there with the bull. Like they were just waving a, a, a red sheet and then got out of the I've, way. And- I've never seen anything like it. So many. It was it was obvious to anybody watching the game. Like you and I watch football differently than most people, but the announcer saw it. We saw it. A person who's never watched a game from either team the whole year (laughs) saw it. Like it was it was obvious. They could not tackle. Right, and it is. It's crazy when you think about it. It was embarrassing. You like when you get embarrassed for somebody else. Sorry, I mean cut you off there, but like Mm -hmm. it was embarrassing. Like I I was pacing around. I couldn't watch it. Yeah, both teams had about the same number of tackles. A total perspective. This is why you can't just look at a stat sheet to say who played well or who didn't play well, which is why we do pull in pro football focus for some of those things, because sometimes the analytics can help you understand something that you don't understand otherwise. And then other times it gives guys bad grades when we think they did better. But that's part of the fun. So for USC, though, as far as draft eligible guys, I don't even want to talk about anybody on defense. I mean, Tupiupolu, I've been looking forward to him and he did all right. But overall, this is one of those games that you just kind of nod your head and say, okay, that happened. Let's move on (laughs) when it comes to evaluating players. But one of the game that happened was the SEC title game. And um, Georgia's doing what Georgia does. I could sum it up with that, obviously. Uh, LSU from the other side of the conference, some people say maybe they shouldn't have been there, but they won their half of the division. And so they gave gave Georgia a fight for about five minutes. (laughs) And that was about it. I mean, Jaden Daniels is in there for half the game, and then they put in Garrett Neusmeyer because uh, Daniels looks like he almost died too. And it's like some of these quarterbacks just getting lit up in these games. And I'll start with uh, with LSU. Uh, Keishon Butte is a guy that we've been talking about as a potential, you know, first, second-round draft pick. He's coming back. So looks like yeah. we're talking about him next year again because <laughs> he had another good game. Six but he didn't, have a, he didn't have a good season, that's why. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have a great season. Uh, but again, that hasn't stopped players in the past from coming out. And so that's one of the things with LSU as a team. Yeah, they're a young team. Brian Kelly, as much as I'm not a huge fan of him as a coach, is probably going to have them a little more back on track next year. Um, some of the players that I was curious about how they'd play and, and where they'd end up, um, Micah Bas- Baskerville, one of those fifth-year seniors at linebacker, had a pretty solid game. He hasn't put up a ton of numbers this year. Uh, but had nine tackles and a half a tackle for a loss in this one. And uh, overall, though, LSU, while they may have been good enough to win their half of the division, clearly it wasn't good enough today. George, on the other hand, Stetson Bennett, who might win the Heisman, he had a great game. Let's let's give him credit for that. Now, mind you, again, this he is, is not going to win the Heisman. I know. I'm just throwing out. Zero chance. 274 and four touchdowns. Very solid game for him. And uh, here, one of the reasons why he has a shot, though, is because of Brock Bowers, your your man crush right now at tight end. The sophomore had six for 81 and a touchdown. You want, you want to talk about him for a minute? You good? No, he's not draft eligible. We can move on. Everybody knows he's a boss. Yeah. I mean, I sent you that uh, that Bowser text. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on defense, again, that's the same thing. Counting numbers weren't there for Georgia, even though they pretty much owned LSU this whole game. Now, it was 50 to 30, but this game was over well before uh, it got anywhere near you know, the 20 points LSU scored in the second half. This, this was just it's 35 to 10 at halftime. So this game was was over before it even really got rolling. Jalen Carter, though, who's a guy we, we've been talking about as a potential top 10 draft pick, probably will be a top 10 draft pick where he ends up slotting in there, is the question. He had a solid game for an interior rushing 
uh, lineman with uh, four tackles, a sack, and two tackles for a loss. He even got a pass defense in there. I'm not really sure how that happens, but uh, for a man his size, but he got out there and had a solid game for Georgia. And now we have our playoff field set. It's going to be Georgia and Ohio State who managed to backdoor their way in for a second time. I think there was 2016 or whatever. They ended up getting in there as the four seed as well from not winning their division. Uh, Thanks and to then, USC. Yeah, thanks to USC. And, and again, the, the committee was was forced into a choice of either you take a team with one loss, and they obviously did because USC dropped out of the top like six, I think they were seventh or whatever. Either you take a team with one loss who didn't play in the conference championship game, which you're saying maybe you don't want to make your conference championship game, or you take the team that lost the conference championship game, which you say conference championships games don't matter. So the committee was screwed either way on that. Obviously, you and I have our own opinions on who should be there. And anytime Ohio State should be involved, we just disagree with it. But uh, but again, the Buckeyes have a chance against the Georgia Bulldogs, who have been blasting most teams they've played this year. And I look forward to them doing the same to Ohio State. <laughs> but if you knew Michigan was going to win in the national championship, you can't deny it. it would be fun to see an all Big Ten natty with Michigan just sure. punching them in the mouth again. Wouldn't that be great? I will put obviously if that's how the games end up, I'm going to be rooting for Michigan to punch them in the face because, again, I don't think either of us really want to see Ohio State win a national championship when they couldn't. No. So let's just let's just go ahead and root for that to happen. Looking at the other games that happened over the weekend real quick, North Texas and UT Texas San Antonio. Those two guys played on Friday and I'll give this Kavorian Barnes at 179 yards, 75 yards on the ground. And uh, he's. A, a sophomore running back. So he's not someone we have to worry about really technically a freshman. He's he had like six carries in his first season. So he's a very young dude, but I'm going to be curious to see how he develops. And then Takari Franklin for uh, San Antonio as well. He's a senior. He's had two straight thousand yard seasons and two straight double digit touchdown seasons. So he's a guy at 6'1, 185 that's kind of in that tweener sort of size. Like, but he's a guy, Zakari Franklin. I'm going to keep an eye on him as we go through this draft process because he might be surprising some people with how he can play the game. Anything else in the college world you want to talk about? I mean, we've got Army Navy this weekend. We'll talk about that coming up on Friday. But anything else stand out to you from these championship games? I think we're ready for the, the halftime break unless you want me to wax poetic about uh, the Big Ten champions anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not that I don't appreciate the Big Ten champions and not that we aren't all about hailing the victors around here. The job's not done. No, they agreed. <laughs> Did all you right, quote the... somebody there? Did you quote somebody there? You know, I've quoted so many different people who've said that. Did somebody say it from Michigan? JJ. Yeah, there you go. So JJ said that. And and again, that's the thing. This Michigan team has been about, yes, winning, winning against Ohio State. Yes, winning the Big Ten title because those two are precursors for the national championship. And I know they have a bad taste in their mouth after how that game against Georgia ended last year. And so they've got a chance again against TCU, which is going to be a great game. Again, we'll preview that when we get closer to it. But that that I believe Georgia is going to beat Ohio State rather handily. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Right. But Michigan, TCU, Michigan, TCU styles make fights. That's going to be a very good game. Before we get to that, before we get to that, we got to talk some beer. We do. And you're going to have to guide me through this because this was (laughs) interesting. The only thing that I really know for sure, because a lot you have beer notes over though, the right? weekend. The only th- what's that? Yeah, beer notes at least, right? Yeah, ish, ish. The problem <laughs> is, is we we skipped around so much and had some that mm-hmm. we didn't necessarily need to have to have to cover the show. And the fact that when we were looking for the beers to have, we decided to drink a Goose Island Bourbon County brand stout while which we were you, searching for the beers, which is still probably the best beer. Hype on that. Yes, it was the best beer I had the whole weekend. So I guess I could I could start with that. 
Sure. I gave, I gave that sucker a 4.25. It was fantastic. But I did say this, though. Mm-hmm. You, you know how I always go on this little rant about when you get these hyper barrel-aged beers, you know, right. sometimes they come off as like this artificially coffee or chocolate-flavored type vibes mm. or whatever flavor profile they're going for. This one was borderline on that. Okay. It was flirting with the idea that there was like, okay, there there's so much chocolate taste in here. Like <laughs> how did they brew a beer to like, what happened? You know what I mean? Like what ingredient did you put in a beer to make it feel like there was a Hershey's chocolate bar melted <laughs> in the bottom of my glass, right. but it was very good, but it was flirting with that almost too, too heavy on some of those chocolate notes. Did you agree or no? Yeah. I think when we, we were talking about this, we were walking around having, having the the beverage, which it was very good. I mean, obviously we both scored it really high, so it's not like there's a, there's an issue with it, but it is, it's one of those beers that, and we talked about this, like, I don't like uh, the, the overly artificial flavors in general. Uh, and so that beer, it, it really danced on the edge of being too much, but it wasn't in my opinion. Like there were other ones we had, like that, uh, that, uh, what's uh, creme brulee stout that we had that I was just took one sip and was like, nope. And that was me. Obviously, it was super fake. It was super fake. And I can't handle that in a beer personally. Like uh, there's only a few flavors that I can handle super fake. Because, again, I also had that uh, a week ago, had the mint version of that. And I was fine with that, even though it was a little bit fake because, you know, I mean, hey, mint is a different story for me, I guess. But they they still did such a good job with it that it even though it tasted close to that, it was still really good. We were going to try. What were the actual games? What were the actual games? We were going to actually try to do a game uh, with the with the Pac-12 and do a beer from California and a beer from Utah, and then we couldn't find any beer from Utah. Now they Uh do actually make beer in Utah. (laughs) But guess what? You know what's fantastic is we had this weird work thing where we all went out and we're cutting down Christmas trees to put in the the building, and I ended up going out grabbing a bite to eat. But they had a. You know how I you know how I love the Big Bad Baptist, right? Right. Yep. So I'm cheating. Whoops. Because ah. we didn't we were unable to find the Utah beer. That could have mm-hmm. been because we're drinking the Bourbon Stout, but Bourbon County. And so um last night after we did the Christmas tree thing, I actually found Son of a Baptist Nitro. Son of a Baptist. Never even heard of it before. It was solid. Mm-hmm. It didn't beat, you know, the the, the Goose Island, but um mm-hmm. I gave it like a three and a half rating. It was definitely like the nitros have such that smooth, silky vibe to it. Like if I were rating this beer on texture, it was phenomenal. It was at least mm-hmm. a four and a half. But like the the flavor, you know, it was it was exactly what I expected it to be. It was different. Mm-hmm. It was just like a nitro coffee stout, just sure. super smooth. I enjoyed it a lot. Not as much as some of the other Big Bad Baptists, but I enjoyed it. And I actually got a Utah beer and I cheated. It took me a few extra days, man, <laughs> but I found one. Well, you did better than I did, and I think I just gave up on that game because of the beer that we tried to have from Ballast Point, Coconut Victory at Sea. It was a Porter Imperial Double Coffee, and you and I looked at each other after like two sips of this, and this is the first time we've ever done this. This was like a this was like a a bomber bottle, too. yeah, yeah. like a ten dollar bomber bottle that That's I was fine. very excited when I saw it. Right, it was an impulse buy. I saw as we were trying to check out. I was like, oh damn, look well, at that. Like- you like coffee, you like Imperial, you like Porter, and you like coconut. So this seemed like it was going to be right up your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. It was right down my drain. No, the house was set on fire, and we could have used this to put it out. It was not good. We actually, and you said down the drain, this is the first time I think we've done this where, like, we'll struggle through a beer that doesn't taste great. We had a couple other ones this weekend that were like, meh, at best, and we still drank them. We both Dumped looked it. at each other, and I said, I'm okay pouring this out if you are, and we poured it, it out. 
Here's the only question. I'm not even going to go into how bad this beer was because we don't need to waste any time talking about it. My only question is this. There's two questions, so I'm cheating and lying already. Question one. Question one. Mm -hmm. Which will lead into two. What Do you believe this beer was skunked? I've never had anything this bad from Ballast Point. Yeah. There's no... There's no way something had to have happened. It sure. had to get really hot, cold, hot, cold. Yeah. Maybe it was really old. I don't know. It was a porter. Porter's age well. I don't know. So question one, is it skunked? Question two, if you do answer yes, you think it was skunked, to question one, how do you go about attempting to buy this or try this again? Because you're probably never going to find it on tap. So would you ever be willing to pay 10 bucks just to figure out if the first one was faulty? Right. Question. Answer to question one, I hope so. I it's really so bad. It was, it was so bad. It, was just, it wasn't. There's nothing good about it, and the fact that it was on a bomber shelf, where I I did notice there were a few other bottles that had a little extra dust on them, if you will. And yes, admittedly, the uh, the bombers tend to not sell as quickly because not everybody's looking for a bomber. But yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and hope that this is just sat at uh, Horrocks, the place we we like to go for our beer around here, and that it sat there for a year and change and had gone through winter and summer and spring and everything like that and ended up just being a beer that had sat in 80 degrees and then sat in 40 degrees and then who all of, I don't know. That's what I'm hoping. And then the, the answer to your second question, I don't know. I don't know if this is a seasonal one they put out. If it is, then maybe we'll give it a try, you know, next time if we see it in you know, you March. Try it when you go to California. Yeah, I'll try. I'll see if I can find it. when I want to it that way because you, it, you know what my, oof, I'm going to say is oof. <laughs> You know what my answer to the question is? Because where I actually found the Utah beer on tap was at Horrocks. I was standing right in the exact same line yesterday that we found huh. that beer in. You know what my take is? Because I had to look at it and I had to give it like a mean mug. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was just still angry and upset about it. You know what I realized? It is not sitting so far away from that giant wood-burning oh, stove. That's a good point. That's I was like, is this point. thing sitting here heating up and getting gross? Maybe. We're gonna have to take a peek at that. Like, like we'll actually have to do a little scientific heat-related discovery the next time we're there about like standing near it and seeing, you know, what we feel like Ugh. the heat comes because it's behind the heater, but it's still pretty close. And that's a big old it's wood. Pretty burner. close. So yeah. We're gonna say wood burners are the reason why it was terrible. And then the other game we're gonna try to do from the NFL standpoint was we're gonna look at the uh, Broncos and Ravens game, which. The game itself was pretty atrocious, and we'll get to that in a minute. But the idea was to have a Colorado beer up against a Maryland beer, and we couldn't find Colorado beers that weren't like fat tire, and so we just, we couldn't we couldn't do it. So you doubled up on Maryland beers without I me. I did. Yeah, I did. I cheated again. Yeah, this okay. is all about- I had to, I had to talk about two beers, but basically I went on. <laughs> I, t- I tried the the Sweet Baby Jesus by Duclaw. Right. Right had to give that a go it's a porter 6.2 percent alcohol it's a nice solid beer it's a it's a chocolate uh peanut butter porter mm-hmm. um i definitely didn't taste as much of the peanut butter as i would like i definitely okay. got more of the chocolate on it um the problem was is it wasn't overdone but for some reason i felt like i could taste some of the artificial flavoring right right but it's still i felt like i could taste it but so i gave it an okay like 3.25 3.5 rating ish but mm. for the second one i just tried a variation of that beer so i tried the sweet baby hazel which you had with mm. me as well and correct me if i'm wrong i'll let you go on a rant about this but the my only issue with the hazel and i think i gave it just one notch lower grade than the regular sweet baby jesus and the problem was is i like hazelnut right okay 
So I was kind of excited to taste that flavor in there. There wasn't any of like that chocolatey hazelnut vibe. It was more of just like a nut. Right. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think and it let me down a little bit. Yeah. And again, the, the sweet baby line is Duclaw's kind of porter that they play with because there's a sweet baby chai out there. There's a bunch of sweet babies that they've done. And so sweet baby Jesus is their their kind of flagship, if you will, with that, with the, the peanut butter one. And then the sweet baby hazel, it wasn't bad. We both gave it a three, two, five. It was still a solid yep. beer. But again, it definitely wasn't. And you're used to a lot of those being chocolate and and this one was very much just no this is a porter with nuts and yeah and not a hazelnut just like a regular peanut like roasted right. peanut vibe i got more hazelnut than peanut but i also didn't get just hazelnut and so that could be just how nuts work and yeah I, I didn't get any of the hazel i don't know i couldn't find it i got a little bit on the nose it wasn't so much in the taste like in the actual okay mouthfeel i can give it, it to but... you on the nose i'm yeah. just going palate i, I couldn't right. I, I was searching couldn't find yeah. it but again, if you like nutty beers, I guess, and then maybe you give yourself a run at the the sweet baby. It was good. I would buy it again. It just wasn't what I was expecting. And and I will say this, Duclaw, for those of you who haven't had a beer from them, it's worth a shot because they have a a wide collection that you can usually find out and about, at least in Michigan, we can find it, which makes me think because Michigan, where it's located, because we're on a peninsula, because we're not a, a easy to go through, you know, route for trucks and places to go. There's a reason why we don't necessarily get some of the distribution that other places do. So I would think that Duke Law, at least on the eastern half of the country, it should be something you can find out there. And they do a nice job on some of their beers. So definitely worth a shot to go out there and check out a Duke Law. Now, we also had a whole lot of other beer over the weekend. So is there anything else you want to have a chat about real quick before we move on to the football, the other football topics of today? I don't think so, because I already think we're way behind schedule. We got you, the entire NFL. Do you remember all the beer you drank this weekend? Yes. Good. I was kind of surprised with some of the stories you were telling me. <laughs> it was an eventful weekend. I, I hear you. Hey, when you hang out with old friends you haven't seen for a while, it def- definitely tends to turn into an interesting adventure. All right. A little bit so. of shenanigans, that's all. Football time. Let's rock and roll. Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots. That was the Thursday game. Go for it. I'm gonna, you know, like I said, for the sake of time, I'm gonna do my best to stick to one player how I try to do, do most times. Ah. I'm gonna do my best to stay in this. Um, I'm gonna start with the draft need. Just go ahead and insert anything on offense. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's just flat. Like it is what it is. But the one player I want to talk about though, um, Dang it, I'm already going to cheat. Because while we're on offense, I will say this. Cole Strange started the season okay, but mm-hmm. he was on such a stretch of bad games there. I was like, okay, now I'm starting to feel good about bashing this pick a little bit. But I felt like he actually looked solid in this game. Mm-hmm. But not the player I want to talk about. just wanted to give him a little bit of props. But the guy I want to talk about, hail to the victors, Josh Uche, <laughs> was literally the only player that I feel like when I watched this game that I was like, okay. He looks good. He's he's having a good game. And, you know, he he had seven total tackles, six of mm-hmm. which were solo. But he had, he, and he had two sacks, man. That's this, is a, this is a good game from a second-round pick who's been in the years for – been in the years. Been in the <laughs> league for a couple of years now. It's only a 24-year-old kid. So, right. I feel like maybe he's starting to figure things out a bit. But just wanted to give him a shout-out for this game. Great day to pick. We all know that's my favorite draft day. Right. Hail to the victors. Jumping over to Buffalo, honestly, like they, they had a solid game. This is a very workmanlike performance where they just shut down everything that uh, the Patriots are trying to do and got that 24-10 win. Josh Allen had a 90 QBR, another solid game for him. Even the counting stats weren't maybe as eye-popping as he's had 
in the past. Russo and Lawson and Poyer all had good games on the defense, but uh, the one young guy that stood out was another solid game from AJ Epinesa. He got a couple of uh, tackles for loss in the sack and QB hit, and it's nice to see. You another- know, it's a guy I was extremely high on. Right, and he's still coming into his own, I think, as far as uh, somebody that is going to be reliable every week in the NFL, but again, Solid game for him. Overall, Buffalo, outside of some issues in the offensive line, uh, they ended up with a, with a good win over it and a team that's still trying to you know make the playoffs. Next game, well, that's Packers and the Bears. Is it? Oh, it is for me. I thought we were going to Pittsburgh, Atlanta. Pittsburgh, Atlanta. Go ahead. I see how you are there. You know what's interesting? Can you figure Well, geez, Louise. <laughs> he, I'm telling you, Dan, I don't think he's the guy. Mm. I, just don't, I just don't think he's the guy. I'm not going to say their biggest draft needs quarterback, but me personally, I mean, biggest draft need for Pittsburgh, it, you you could just say they could be a best player available type team. Right. You could just take good players and figure it out later because that's clearly what they need. But <laughs> yeah, part of me thinks if they're going to figure out if Kenny Pickett's the guy that they got to do something to either protect him or give him another mm-hmm. weapon or it's got to be the protection thing because they got to get the run game going. So yeah. well, Harris didn't have an awful game, but you know, it's, far as sticking to one player to talk about i was extremely torn i wanted to give my guy Muth, Muth a little love pat fryermuth but i can't help it i got to talk about a guy that they didn't even draft it's a guy they went out and acquired and phenomenal acquisition <laughs> especially consider, considering how young he was he's still only 26 years old man Mika fitzpatrick mm-hmm. talk about you know especially when i say the bama guys don't tend not to work out a lot he's worked out this guy's working out. He's top 10 or 10 or 11 or 12 picks somewhere in that ballpark. But either way, just awesome accusation. He had an incredible game. I mean, he only had seven tackles, five of which were solo and a tackle for loss. But he's just, when you watch the game, you just he was making a bigger impact than what showed up on the stat sheet. He was and an eye test love, game for me. You got to love guys who do that too. Because again, that's why we try not to get too far ahead of ourselves with how we you know, do analysis on things and say, oh, well, this guy's got these numbers. I'm like, yeah, but he also looked like he was lost out there and just found yeah. himself into a tackle or something. Anything else from those two teams? Got anything from Atlanta? Anything You're Atlanta. About? Remember, we traded. Atlanta's all you. I keep forgetting who I have and who I don't I could have. talk about Atlanta, but it's your squad. I keep forgetting. Honestly, I really honestly do keep forgetting who I have and don't have in that division because that division is so trash. I mean, Atlanta at five and eight is still only like two games out of the playoffs or whatever. And... uh Again, Marcus Mariota, I still am waiting to see when they're going to give Desmond Ritter a shot because it just really feels like this team is not going anywhere. Because they're in a bad division, they can still have delusions of grandeur. They can make the playoffs, but they're they're not there. They need help on the offensive line. They've, they've got I me mean, Rashad Evans had 15 tackles. That's nice. Uh, but overall, this is a team that when you look at them, you sort of shrug your shoulders and say, what are you trying to do? And I, I think they might be asking themselves that question as well. Uh, they had a couple of guys who stood out a little bit, but again, none of the younger players really were were doing things that uh, made me you know, smile, so to speak. Uh, yeah, talk about crazy names. Uh, number 92, Ogundee is how I'm going to say his last name. Uh, he's had a pretty rough season, but he's kind of the last three, four games have been pretty solid for him as a, a second year player out of Notre Dame. And again, they need as much help as they can get, you know, rushing the passer. But just Michael Walker has been pretty good. But again, this is a team that has way more questions than answers across the board. And aside from a decent game from the offensive line, 
they're losing to teams like Pittsburgh. So, you know, they've, they've got a ways to go as far as how that season is shaping up. So Atlanta, um, I'm not saying I didn't pay attention to you this week, but I am saying I didn't have much to talk about from you. Let's move on. Bears, Packers. Aaron Rodgers still owns rental space in the Bears' minds, apparently, because the Packers got a 28-19 to win, even though he did not look great. They had nothing to do with him. They had nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. Had a lot. They had everything to do with two second-round picks. Nope. A.J. Dillon had 93 yards and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Christian Watson, two touchdowns. And you're don't forget, don't forget about AJ Dillon's three grabs for 26 yards, too. Yep. I mean, AJ Dillon had an incredible game. Like I said, he's a second round pick guy, too. But yes, Christian Watson, I you knew I was gonna take the low-hanging fruit there. Sure. Yeah. One carry, Watson. 46 yards and a touchdown. He had three grabs for 48 yards and a touchdown. I've already won this bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, it started out rough for you. And unless something crazy happens, I mean, Pierce had a good game. We'll get to him in a minute. But overall, this is a Green Bay team that isn't complete by any stretch of the imagination, but they can beat bad teams, and the Bears are a bad team. <laughs> be like, they've got Cole Komet, Equinemius St. Brown. St. Brown brothers had a good week overall. Both had decent games, and Justin Fields Just, is... One had a phenomenal game. The other one had a decent game. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, but Justin Fields, two ta- two picks. He still had a 90 for his QBR, even with two interceptions, because he was 20-25. Still doesn't make any damn sense. No, we're still trying to figure out how these numbers work out. But it's because they point. factored in the six carries for 71 yards and a touchdown into that QBRs, which they did. Which, don't get me wrong, I was mostly pleased with him from a fantasy standpoint. Those two picks didn't help out. But again, that's the thing. It's like this team is basically right now. It's funny because coming into the year, we're like, well, is Justin Fields any good? Now it's Justin Fields and who else wants to step up? Because no one is at the moment for this for this offense for the Bears. And maybe they could use some better protection. But they can use definitely another weapon. You talk about uh, what what draft needs they have. Wide receiver is certainly one of them. Offensive line is another. We'll see how that goes for them. On the defense, nice bright spot. Jack Sanborn, rookie linebacker, 11 tackles and a tackle for loss. So that is a bright spot for the Bears. And they do at least have another linebacker they can build around, hopefully, going forward for them. As we move on to the next game, it's, uh, it's Detroit and Jacksonville. Go ahead. Now you can talk about the other St. Brown, brother. I can. Let's start with a start with the Jags though. So we can end this game on a positive note. <laughs> Did anyone not name Christian Kirk do anything good in this game? Cause they, we, we referenced this <laughs> earlier, but the Jags got punched in the mouth. Yeah, they did. And they got punched in the mouth early. I was actually at this game. My buddy had an extra ticket. So we were sitting up uh, in one of the end zone corners and uh, you're the, talk about my guy the club seats, in the club seats. And it was pretty obvious, pretty quickly that Jackson will let this game get away from them in a hurry. They didn't convert third downs when they needed to, and Detroit did not punt the entire game. When was the last time you said that about a Lions team? Right. Say it about Dan. The- you got I'm wait. I'm waiting for the live take on my guy Chad Muma here. <laughs> well, I you set know you up saying? to call me a liar. He, Eleven tackles, seven solo, one and a half sacks, two tackles for a loss. Come on. He had a great game. Now, I would like to point out that Jacksonville had 30 more tackles than the Lions did because they were on the their defenses on the field so much. So right. he had more opportunities to get those counting numbers, but he did a great game. He's he's starting to come into you his own. You know that everyone knows that's my guy. Yeah, yeah, I know. We actually was talking to people about that and talking about how much of a man crush you had on him coming out. Uh, and it was great for him to step up into the role that uh, Jacksonville wants him to be in. But outside of him, outside of uh, Olokun, outside of Devin Lloyd maybe, this is a team in Jacksonville that needs a lot of help still. I just insert best player available again, but I still think Kirk, Christian Kirk needs a running mate, man. 
He definitely does. And I don't uh, think either uh, Jones is the is the guy. No, I don't think so. Zay Jones dropped so many so many passes. It was it was like mm-hmm. he was a Lions fan uh, in that game, which I didn't mind obviously watching it. But yeah, he he just kept seeing him just have balls bounce off his hands. Rough time for the Lions though. Yeah, the most complete performance of the season. It is. And now we can get into the sun god. Talking, talking, this is a day three pick guy. He's a fourth mm-hmm. round pick. Everybody knows there's 16 guys above him or whatever that crazy list is. Right. He likes to rant off. But my goodness, 11 grabs, 114 yards, two touchdowns. He's making the Pro Bowl. It's done. Yes. If he yeah. does it, well, the Pro Bowl is flipping Joe. It's just a popularity contest now. He's So what I meant to say is he's going to be all pro. He should be, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no way in hell. Like He was fantastic. Frank Ragnall was fantastic in this game. Uh, he, he's probably all pro too. Um, I won't very take all team. of it, but dude, I, I was very, very happy with uh, Kirby Joseph again. Um, but <laughs> mostly, I, I, mostly I wanted to talk. Well, Kirby, like he, he, I was happy with his tackling ability because it gives right. me a bright spot for the future. But his coverage ability was not as great in this game. But the main player on defense, Jane Houston, the fourth man. Yes. Tell me about how he looked in real life, Dan. Here's what I can tell you. He first off, he doesn't look that physically imposing when you I mean looking far, far away as we were, uh, in comparison with other bodies out there, he doesn't look that big, which is fine. It's not what he's there for. But this guy is a pass rush specialist. He's not someone I'm gonna expect to see out there for you know, 80% of the defensive snaps, at least not until he gets better at some other parts of his game. But when you just basically have to say, Hey James, go hit the man with the ball, he does it. He is so quick. He has great pass rush moves, and he was only in the game for twelve snaps. He got a sack, a so hit. I mean, he was he was he was creating havoc out there when he was out there. And he might be he might be uh, prime time's only draft pick from Jackson State since how he's jumping <laughs> ship. Right. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, about him when we get into more offseason conversations. But overall, again, best game of the, the season for the Lions. Anybody else you want to talk about there from Detroit? I could talk about that game for the rest of this entire show, but we probably shouldn't. <laughs> Fair. But again, the Lions now creeping into the back end of the playoff conversation. And yeah, we'll get to that later on. Minnesota and the Jets. And, and Minnesota got the win. Your boy Kirk Cousins getting things done. Dude, Kirk Cousins is so frustrating, though, from a fantasy <laughs> standpoint. So don't don't get me on that rant, Dan. Yeah, I know. You're good. What else stood out to you from Minnesota, though? Well, I'm not. I refuse to do. Anything like with, with Justin Jefferson, we've been talking about him all year, but right. a defensive player stood out to me, man. And it feels bad saying it because, you know, <laughs> actually who I really liked a lot of guy was high on coming out of the draft uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, Patrick Jones, the second, he, he was a third or fourth round pick. I believe he came out of pit. He was a guy that I was actually really high on. So it was good to see him have a couple good games this year for sure. But um, I'm going to take a bit of a crazy guess here. Okay. And it's not just because I've been riding the, the maize and blue train the entire weekend, although it has been <laughs> happening. But a guy who didn't show up on the stat sheet that I felt like had an eye test in this one was Josh Patelis, safety from Michigan. Definitely like a sixth or seventh round pick. He he was he had some good coverage skills in this game, man. Like it, it, I'm impressed. Yeah, I don't know it. if you know what his PFF was, but well, here's it the had thing. to be. They only graded him for two plays, which I think might be a bit weird because I thought he was in more than that. But he had an 81 8 He was only in there for two plays. According to what Pro Football Focus is grading him on, yeah. Then those two plays were just – well, let's be honest. I didn't watch the entirety of the Jets and Vikings because they're rivals of my two favorite teams. Right, true. 
But I know when I was tuning in, the two players that stood out the most on defense were Patrick Jones and Josh Patel. So maybe I just maybe <laughs> I just maybe it's luck of the draw. But I thought he looked good. He looked smooth. But Metellus has had a solid season in general. I thought. Yeah. Let me let me do some research. Again, just rough losing your actual notes. I guess is I I would expect that he had he had more tackles than what he did. He's had, he had a pleasant a- season. I mean, overall, I'll be honest with you. Pro Football Focus again. He hasn't. Again, he is a part-time player right now for this team. He's a young guy that they're still kind of getting into their their flow of things. He could take on a bigger role next year if Harrison Smith ends up kind of stepping back a little bit. But in the 111 plays he's had so far this year, which is, you know, again, a fraction of the season, he's got an 82.8 grade. Hmm. What did he have for the whopping two plays, apparently? His whopping two plays is an 81.8. <laughs> okay. And again, yeah, the one year he played a lot was Detroit or the second game of the year, or third game of the year, and he had an 82. So the one time they actually tasked him with a lot, he's played well. And so he's a guy that I feel like I'm kind of curious as to why they're not using him more. They're obviously something they basically because they have play. Harrison Smith and uh, Lewis Seen. Well, sure, but even then, you but Seen like, hasn't played the greatest this year. I don't think he's played all that great. I don't know. Anything else for Minnesota? A, no, I went on too long. Go ahead okay. and talk about the Jets. No, fair. Well, I'm, I'm going to run through the Jets pretty quick. Uh, the Q Williams boys have been like up and down, up and down. They were up again this week. Quinn and Williams, Quincy Williams, both had pretty solid games. And then Jordan Whitehead was kind of the other guy that I wanted to talk about on the defensive side for the for the Jets. He ended up with another solid game. And then offensively, again, this is they lost the game, but they were in it. Mike White. I mean, Mike White, the legend of Mike White continues where Jeez. he has big counting numbers and then throws two picks and they lose the game. Uh, but Zonovan Knight, the rookie from the Wolfpack, had a pretty solid game, and he's had good contributions the last two weeks. And when he's been pressed into starting into a starting role, he's had five catches for twenty eight, and then ninety yards on the ground as well. And Garrett Wilson continues to be validating why New York took him where they took him in the first round: eight catches, one hundred and sixty two yards. Another great game for him. And this is a Jets team that. They're technically still in the playoff hunt. I don't see Mike White getting them into the playoff, or at least not getting very far. Uh, and so New York might be back in a situation where they're they're having huge questions at quarterback because clearly Zach Wilson, yep. they've chosen so far, is not the answer for them. And that's could they could they be chasing Jimmy G? I mean, they might be. That that's certainly a possibility. Well, they're not gonna. I don't know if they're gonna be able to pick a guy. That, right, that's you know, that they wanted to take over, and uh, Jimmy G. I'm assuming he's not going to be back in San Fran. They would have to now. There's out. no Liz Frank surgery, so right. he should be okay. Hell, he might return for playoffs, is what they're saying. Yeah, there's a possibility, and so it's definitely a whole lot up in the air there. And he's is going to be a free agent, so that's certainly somebody that the the Jets should be looking into. They definitely kick the tires on him. Yeah, he may not be a long term answer for you, but he can at least be a next three four season answer for you, at least one contract. Washington and the Giants. I, I was about to say, this last week, but you know, you they get, didn't lose. They didn't the lose. Didn't yes. lose. You are right. The Giants did not this lose. Tie, but, this tie really screwed the Lions' playoff chances a bit. But hey, but this is such a Giants game for you, and really such a Commanders game. These are two teams that I don't think are as good as their records have allowed them to be. Do you think they just agreed to tie? Like, hey, let's just help each other out. Let's just I tie. Guess. You're talking about rivalry, rivalry games in your division, and you're getting a tie. Well, here's what I can say for the Commanders. Still feels weird saying that name. Uh, Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, has continued to produce, and he's getting things done. Eight catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown for him. Brian Robinson, again, great story, coming back from getting shot right in training camp, I believe. Uh, 96 yards on the ground and then caught a couple passes as well. Uh, But this is a team that 
still needs a quarterback because Taylor Heineke had uh, a couple fumbles. He lost one of those and didn't have any picks, but overall just did not play the way the team needs him to play to be winning games. And that's, that's challenging because there are people who look at him and be like, Oh, this guy's got guts and got mocks. And he does. I, he's a great story from certain standpoints, but the dude's just not who they need under center. Personally, Cameron curl though on defense, young guy, give him a lot of credit, 12 tackles, one tackle for a loss. So it's good to see him continuing to play well and giving them at least one building block on that defensive side uh, in the, in the secondary in the back there. On the uh, big blue side of things, Dan's favorite uh, team here. Uh, I got to give a quick shout out to Tibbs. I mean, he had five tackles, two solo, and got in there for a sack, tackle for a loss. So solid performance from him. But, um, you know, it'd be fantastic if we could say he was the highlight of the defense. But my goodness, (laughs) Dexter Lawrence has just been blowing my mind this entire year. I might. You know, go as far to say like he—he's guaranteed. He's got to be a guaranteed top five interior like rushing lineman. Sure, I believe he's got to be a Pro Bowl. He's got to be in the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a big six four, two hundred and forty two pound guy who's probably leading <laughs> the team in sacks. As crazy as that sounds, I don't know. I know he's got six or seven on the season, but dude, he's having a very very good year, and he's still pretty young. This is another first round pick. So it, dare I say that the future of this this big blue team here is the D-line, especially if Thibodeau can keep things going. It's a good spot to build from. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. I'm just saying, like, this team, you keep dogging them, but this team's kind of they're quietly, like, building things in the right places, and they're getting wins. But Dexter Lawrence, big shout-out all year, man. Well, they're getting ties right now. But, yeah, Dexter Lawrence does have twice as many sacks as anybody else in the team. He's got six right now. Okay. That sounds accurate. Is that validated? Yeah, and from a 342-pound man. That's the thing. It's not so much that he's got six sacks. He said he has six sacks from the interior. And he yeah, is. A- we were just talking about this. We we're just talking about this. Is it more dangerous to have the, the pressure from the inside than the outside? It's right. harder to stop on the inside. Yeah. And again, and it, it frustrates quarterbacks more. It very much, I think, depends on the quarterback. If there's a guy who's used to playing off schedule and scrambling around, stuff like that, it probably is a little bit of a hindrance because they can uh, get out of the pocket maybe a little bit easier because you're you're not really forming one when you're, you're rushing from the inside. But, man, against guys like Tom Brady, against some of the more, I guess, statues. He don't like it. Quarterbacks, he does not like it. No, they don't get to be comfortable at all. And so another uh, another guy who didn't get to be comfortable at all was, uh, you know, the Tennessee Titans, Philadelphia Eagles, and Ryan Tannehill. But I'm just, you know what? <laughs> this is going to be a very short take for me just because I'm frustrated. I've been – I went from dogging on Traylon Burst for since the draft process to the past couple of weeks talking about how great of a comeback he, he's had. Mm-hmm. How disappointing that he got hurt off from one catch for a touchdown in this game. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just sad times there. I mean, he, he was really putting it together. He started to look completely different. He looked like a different wide receiver. I don't know if it was him it out. getting in shape or learning the playbook or just mm-hmm. feeling comfortable. Maybe a combination of all of the above, but. I don't I don't care if he only had that one catch in the game like that was the he still stood out to me in that way because like the team's just different. Like as soon as he went out of the game, it felt like the whole vibe changed off. They only got 10 points. He got the only touchdown in the game off of one catch. Right. So just, you know, pour one out. I think he's OK, though. I'll be honest. I don't even think I had it on the notes that I lost. What was the prognosis of his injury? I didn't hear anything that said that he was going to be out for an extended period of time or anything like that. Um, I'll look that up while you go on. Basically, 
Well, here's what it was. He got a concussion. They made the right choice to get him out of the game and to not have him, especially with some of the things we've seen already this season with guys trying to play through it or whatever, to not have him push it. Uh, He is going through the protocol, but they don't have an update as to whether or not he's going to be playing this early in the week. So So it doesn't sound like it's anything like Tua related or Stafford getting two of them in a row. Like that level play next week. Okay. Mm -hmm. As far as the Eagles go, though, they, they played well the whole week. 11 and one for the Philadelphia Eagles as they continue to to do things that they need to do to win. And uh, this, this was a bit of a revenge game for AJ Brown, 119 yards, eight catches, two touchdowns. And I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, yesterday the Titans fired their GM. I did. It took everything <laughs> in my power not to talk about AJ when I was talking about dog and Traylon Burks, because I had this game circled is are the Tennessee Titans going to highly regret this. And they did because they dropped 35 burger, my favorite number on them. Right. Largely due to AJ. Yeah, AJ, AJ around this the Yankee just gave him the soft wave. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he might have given him a, a wave with only one of his me? too. I don't know, but I think he still loved the fans of Tennessee. I don't think that was ever an issue for oh, him. Yeah, but yeah. He he's does. definitely the the guys who didn't want to pay him. And you know, hey That's why Tennessee's guy got fired. Look, if AJ falls off a cliff in the next two seasons, you might be able to retcon this a little bit, but yeah, you, you made a trade that you thought was in the best interest of the franchise, and then the franchise just laid an egg against his new team. And again, they're seven and five. So it's not like he's built a terrible team, but it's not, it's not a good look. And yeah, I, I think that that the way they played this week might've contributed to him getting let go. So say what you will about whether or not that's an intelligent choice, but Jalen hurts another great game, 380 yards, three touchdowns, absolutely brilliant. And then on the defensive side of the ball for rookies, Nicobe Dean starting to put things together for the Eagles. He had six tackles and a tackle for a loss. And so that's, a really positive development for Philadelphia as they continue there, 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 you know, funny thing is we talk about other teams and their draft needs being best player available. Philly's kind of in the same boat on the opposite side of the spectrum. Even the offensive line that I've kind of said is maybe a little bit of a weak part had a good week this week. So overall Philadelphia draft, whoever you want to draft, because you can kind of draft anybody you want right now. Next game on our list is Denver and Baltimore. And we can do a real quick take on this because this is just a, a yeah, I right. I got a, I had a three players. I'll make them fast, but I had three guys <laughs> that I thought were lights out in this game. Okay. Two, I'll do super quick because I've been talking about them the past few episodes. I'm convinced when healthy, they can hang with any two linebackers in the entire NFL as far as how good they are. <laughs> Singleton and Jewel. Singleton and Jewel, man. Every week with them, man. Yeah, PFF always dogs them every week, too. Check out their grade. There's no way. They both oh, had 17 geez. tackles. There's no way PFF could dog on this week. 17 tackles apiece. I don't care if you're in the wrong. You still made 17. Where's the rest of the defense? Here's what I can tell you. They neither both were great. Them, don't even tell me. Neither of them were the, the highest rated. That's, but were, that checks out. That checks out the, the way they did. They were them. the second and third highest rated. 89, oh, okay. 79, 5. So they both had really good year, weeks from a pro football focus standpoint. It's about time. Pro football focus <laughs> gave them some love. They're like, okay, these guys can't continue to get. 30 tackles between the two of them. <laughs> and we can't just say they suck every week. That is anyhow, the bright spot from Broncos standpoint. Third round pick, tight end, Greg Dolchich, UCLA. Awesome game. He was one of, he was probably my number two rated tight end for me. Maybe number three. I know that Bellinger was my top guy coming out of this class, but McBride and Dolchich were right there. But Dolchich had a great game, man. Six grabs, 85 yards. He's I been mean, the most consistent receiver this season. Which is hard to do because Russ Wilson's so good. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about Russ and Wisconsin? No, 
I'm out of I'm out of his kitchen. I'm never eating at that restaurant again for the rest of my I life. I remember there was a point where you tried to talk about how Russ was cooking like he was back in the day, and then uh, and then he burned the steak. So you know there you are. Baltimore got a win, but it didn't feel like a good one. Lamar Jackson going to be out for a while now, which means we have Tyler Huntley and Brett Hundley as their two quarterbacks, which is just why. Why are you doing this to me? So it'll be mm. interesting to see Baltimore eight and four still in very much in good shape for the playoffs, but they're going to have to figure out a way to do it with defense almost entirely going forward because uh, their their talisman, if you will, on offense wasn't getting it done. But the guy they gave up some picks for. Roquan Smith probably had his best game as a Raven so far, 11 tackles and two tackles for a loss. And then Patrick Queen had a good game as well. But this is a Baltimore team that right now could certainly use some help in some areas. And at quarterback, they're not going to get it right now. But uh, they, they could definitely use another wide receiver. We talked about that ad nauseum. Their offensive line will be interesting to see how they can do. That good game from their tackles, which was nice to see. But Baltimore – it's a win, but it's a, a very hollow win for that team, especially when you're looking at the player that they don't want to pay <laughs> is the guy that's been doing it for him. So I think it's going to be interesting to see for Lamar if they play well without him, that's going to be a lot of leverage in the negotiations for uh, for Baltimore. But if they don't play well without him, well, it's a little more for him. Cleveland and Houston, and I'm going to rip through this game real quick because I don't want to give Deshaun Watson too much time. He had his first game back, definitely looked rusty, only uh, – 12 for 22 for 131 yards and a pick, but they were playing Houston. So they got the win because Houston's terrible. Houston, another one of those teams that uh, best player available, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's saying, yeah, well, they, yeah. Two guys for Houston. Damian Pierce is continuing to have a solid season as the, they validated the fifth round uh, running back. Great pickup for them. The way he's been continuing to play. Jalen Petrie, who we both like on the defensive side of the ball, 16 tackles in this one and a pass defense as well. And so that's your bright spots for, for you, Houston. The other bright spot is you're going to be able to fix your quarterback problem. Uh, yeah, it's a ter- don't you think it's a terrible idea for him to do it? Because this team is so bad by the time they get a team that's capable of winning around whoever the quarterback is. They pick that quarterback's already going to be in the second contract. Or or he'll be so shattered from you know getting yeah. back to well, that. Yeah, he might not make it to a second contract. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like they, they right back where they started with David Carr getting chased around. Uh, the, their offensive line is slightly better than they were when they were an expansion team. Uh, Laramie Tunsil had a good game, but still, overall, this is a Houston team that needs a lot of help. And I feel for Lovey Smith because he's kind of just been you know given a, a a bad deal in his second stint as an NFL head coach or third stint rather. And so I just don't think this is going to work out for him. But uh, for Cleveland, Nick Chubb had a solid game. Little little go blue because the best receiver in the game was Jonathan Peoples Jones for them. But uh, outside of Taki having a good game, Victor. so you know who didn't have a good game though was uh, JOK. Did not even though he had five tackles, just uh, not a good pro football focus grade. Just overall, this is a Cleveland team that might still have aspirations for the playoffs, but they're the they they this is a punted season for them in my opinion. And they, they get Watson back. What was that? They'll get Watson back soon. So they got Watson back. Doesn't mean that he's going to be the thing they need. So did we'll he actually see that in this one? I didn't tune into this game because it was, you know, wasn't right. the most interesting game. But hey, he's got a lot of rust to shake off. We'll see what the rest of the season has. It gives him a chance to evaluate where their guys are at. But even at five and seven, I don't see them going on a tear, even with the division that looks like it's a little more open now that uh, that uh, at least as far as playoffs go, because no one's catching Cincinnati. I don't think Seattle and the Rams. And the Rams continue to give the Lions a better draft pick. Thank you, L.A. I greatly appreciate everything that you're doing. This trade's working out for everybody. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind this at all, but you know what I've realized? The only the, there's just stuff to figure out something to talk about in this game, but um, <laughs> apparently revenge games mean a lot to players. We already talked about yeah. AJ Brown versus the Titans. Well, I'm going to talk about Bobby Wagner. I don't need to go into <laughs> where he's drafted and this and that. Everybody knows who Bobby Wagner is, but right. guy had seven tackles and two sacks and three tackles for a loss against his ex team here. Yep. I'm, enough said. Mike Trout, he had a hell of a game. He did. It wasn't enough for them to get the win, but yeah, Bobby Wagner, I wouldn't want to upset the man. I feel like that's just yeah. a bad life choice. Yeah. Seattle. Yep. Seattle did have a few things, you know, go right for them. They got another win and they're, Again, in that tweener zone, seven and five, the division again is wide open now that uh, that we're not quite sure what the Niners are doing at quarterback. Geno Smith had another solid game. Uh, again, three and six, seven yards, three touchdowns. Did have the one pick, but uh, overall, this is a team that's going to be able to probably make the playoffs. But I don't think they're a team that's built for a whole lot more than that. Nuosu had a solid game for them on the defensive side of the ball. I was happy to see him. Uh, pick up a couple sacks in there as well. Jordan Brooks got a sack and then nine tackles. And so, again, one of those things where they had some bright spots, Tariq Woolen continuing to play well. That's a rookie that I think if we uh, redrafted, when we did redraft, he was a first-round draft pick you know, coming from the, the way back. Uh, and so that's nice to see from Seattle. They've got some pieces in place. And, again, their wide receivers, absolutely killing it. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett both had massive games in this one. Uh, got open and just got open often. Nine catches for Lock, 128 yards touchdown, eight, 127, and one for Metcalf. And they they made uh, the secondary look a little silly for Los Angeles. But again, they won by four points. This is a Seattle team that might make the playoffs, but I just I don't see them you know making a huge push down those down those lines. As far as the next game on our schedule, well, hey, it's uh, it's Miami, it's San Francisco, it's all you, bud. You know, I'm gonna go through this kind of quick because I want to pose a greater question here. Mm-hmm. Offensively for each team, Tyreek Hill continues to just be Tyreek Hill. Nine grabs, 146 yards, and touchdown. What a what a way to use your draft picks just to get an absolute playmaker on your team. Yeah, exact same thing that San Francisco did with Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. He's a running back, by the way. Is uh, he? <laughs> yeah, eight grabs, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Another great use of draft picks to get proven players. If you do this once in a while, it's an awesome strategy, but. Right. Clearly, it can backfire if you go all in like the Rams do and just trade everything. But more importantly, the two players that I thought just blew my mind in this game, starting with Miami, he's been doing it all year. He's first-round pick for a reason. Christian Wilkins, I mean, he doesn't have the sacks that Dexter Lawrence has, but my goodness, the way this guy gets pressure and gets tackles at the very least, and we all right. know how I feel about tackles for a loss. I don't know how many he's had on the on the season per se, but he's just been phenomenal. All flipping year. And then if you go over to the San Francisco side of things, um, Dre Greenlaw. Greenlaw mm-hmm. had he, he had an outstanding game. I'd be you should you should do the PFF thing on him. I wonder if I'm just <laughs> if this is one of the ones where they completely disagree with me. But I, oh, no. I thought oh, as right. a line yeah, okay. Sense. Yeah, they just seem to they seem to dog my linebackers a lot. But this is a fifth round pick linebacker out of Arkansas here. He 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 had a hell of a game to me. He only had eight tackles, seven of which were solo, but felt like he was covered covering players well. Felt like he's everywhere making stops like right away, not like chasing people down like he was meeting them <laughs> as the ball guy. I don't know. He had he had a really good game. But um the question that I wanted to ask though is just what exactly did the San Francisco do from here for a minute? You know, you thought they were going to go chase a quarterback if Baker was cut and, you know, saying what we know now, I think the Rams got Baker. 
But and now we know, like I said, it's not a Liz Frank injury for Jimmy, so he could return in the playoffs. But, like, do you just roll with Purdy? I think you do. Uh, I think that it's really hilarious that the, the Rams – Third quarterback? Oh, yeah, it's really hilarious that the Rams, the Rams grabbed Baker. I think they did it more to spite the Niners than to actually think that they're going to be playing him. Although, admittedly, he's probably still a better choice than John Wofford. No offense to him. Uh, well, they're going to need a they're going to need a backup anyway, so it's good to get in there and get a look at them because they're not going to you know, bring Jimmy back, yeah. and we still don't know what Trey Lance is going to be looking like. Huh? I am feeling for um, for as much as you know Baker maybe he's done it to himself. I'm feeling for Baker because he's on another team that can't protect him, and so he's just going to be. He's like, do I have to play? Can I just be the backup for the rest of the year and not die? <laughs> but yeah, San yeah. Francisco they they roll with pretty. Pretty had a good game. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's managed to get serviceable work out of, you know, the journeyman quarterback or the young guy or whatever. And so they're going to give Purdy a run here. Now, the question is who they're going to have, you know, behind him. Vinny happens to him is all another deal. But they're going to try to get through the rest of the season. They're eight and four. They're in the lead in their division. It's not a division that looks intimidating right now because we just got done talking about how Seattle's had, you know, they're good, but they're not great. The Rams are a dumpster fire. The uh, the Cardinals, uh, maybe their bye week is going to give them some motivation, but they're not looking great. So this is a very winnable division. So they're definitely going to roll with Purdy. Yeah, I think they will too. But I I think they did that just because they they had they'd already known they were going to get semi positive news about Garoppolo. Sure. But I don't know. It's it's interesting to say the least. But um, switching over to the next game, Chiefs Bengals. Pat Mahomes cannot beat Joe Burrow, can he? No. No, Joe Burrow. Is it helped that he got Jamar back. It did help. Yeah, uh, Joe Burrow basically decided, so, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do to you what uh, the uh, Rodgers is doing to the Packers or to the Bears." <laughs> With those two first round picks who played together in college, man, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, they've got a special, special connection there. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's incredible. But instead of going in on the players too much, I just want to ask these Bengals. They're looking like the Bengals from last year, man. Yep. It took them a while to get their offensive line in order, but uh, Burrow only got sacked once. Do they look like the best team in the AFC? Ooh, yes. Do they look like the best team in the football? The, the entire no, no, NFL right now? I still think that even though Philly, you know, you I will take the Bengals over Philly. Yeah, well, you can take the Bengals over Philly. I disagree. Uh, but again, they're the way the Bengals are trending right now, though. Yeah, they are. They are where we thought they would be at the beginning of the year. They just took them a while to get rolling. And again, I think they had some pieces that need to figure out how to play together on offense. And even with can we make a bet? The last two weeks, they still had a good, a good running back. Uh, Samashi Pirine's been doing some work for them too. Can we make a bet that the Bengals make it further in the playoffs than the Eagles? All right, cool. Done. We'll figure out what we're betting later. Yep, I like it. If they I, go like out, I like making impulse bets. Yeah, I usually recorded. don't like making impulse bets with you because they usually don't go well for me. But I've had a better year against you than I have in a while, so I'm feeling frisky. Let's go. Time for me to turn the tide. Yeah, all right. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs need to turn the tide. They can beat everybody in the NFL, it seems like, except for the Cincinnati Bengals. And again, uh, they, they at least lost this one at home, but they're going to be playing. They lost this one on the road, rather, and they're going to be playing on the road if they don't get their act together against uh, the Bengals in the future in the playoffs, potentially. And, yeah, again, Nick Bolton had a great game. Juan Thornhill had a great game. Both of those guys double-digit tackles for the the Chiefs. But, uh, you know, who else had a pretty solid game? Didn't necessarily show up in the stat sheet, but showed up pro football focus. Mr. McDuffie, the guy that neither of us wanted mm-hmm. them to, anybody to take That's in the fair. first round. He's yep. been having a decent, decent season, and, you know, points to him for that. 
Although, uh, again, you know, I talk about Bolton having 16 tackles. He also had a 31 from Pro Football Focus. So, you know, hey, you win some, you lose some. But uh, yeah, I could definitely still see the Chiefs needing some help on the uh, the line, both offense and defensive line. That's where I'd see them go in the draft, although they're not going to be picking until towards the back end of it at this point because they do still have the best record, uh, tied for the best record, rather, in the AFC right now. So there's that for them. Anything else on the Bengals? No, sir. Chargers and the resurgent Raiders. Go ahead. Dude, talk talk about a team for recency bias. My goodness, it's a little too late. But if you look at the last couple of weeks, this, Raiders are Raiders are on fire, man. There's still playoff hopes, not good ones. There is. Hopefully, they make it. I like what they're doing. I mean, Josh Jacobs, like I said, heck, he might be my MVP vote. Right, but Devonta Adams getting like 200 yards and two touchdowns or something crazy like that. But mm-hmm. you already know what I you already know where I was going to go with this. My goodness. <laughs> Max Crosby didn't get any sacks, looked solid-ish, but mm-hmm. didn't get any sacks. But Chandler Jones, someone else on the Raiders team got sacks. He got three of up. them. He got three sacks himself in this game. There are five total sacks, and Crosby had a grand total of zero. I think Grandpa and, took a nap and just woke up. Yeah, and Chandler Jones got three of them. So I just wanted to give him a shout out, and that mm-hmm. is a acquisition they had as well. That is not a guy that they drafted. He was obviously a Patriot, but yeah. To shout out, the Raiders are figuring it out. Hopefully, it's not too late. You know who still had the best grades for them on defense, though? Max Crosby. That's impossible. Pro football focus. He had like two tackles, and Max Crosby isn't covering anybody. So, how would he? uh, Maybe he was triple teamed the entire game. I'll give him that. That's a possibility. Maybe he just took on all the additional blockers, and he's the reason why Chandler was able to get in for three. Maybe that. Okay. He had six hurries. There's a world where this makes sense, but initially, like I call in, I don't I'm not buying it. Right. He had okay. six hurries. And so that that's a piece of it. But I'm just having fun with you now, too. Yeah, PF. Man, it breaks my <laughs> brain. But yeah, and that's fun because you're more of an old school guy, anyways. But the Chargers in this game that continue to be just, I mean, our, our boy Brad's got to be just infuriated with his team and how they go back and forth and upside down all around. They just can't seem to get consistent play out of anybody on this team. Keenan Allen back, and so it was nice to see him have a good game, 88 and a touchdown. Uh, the left side of the old line played relatively well, so that's nice. But the defense was suspect here and there. They couldn't obviously stop uh, a Las Vegas team that you know is still trying to get their own footing. But at six and six now for the the Chargers, they're they're you know you talk about the the Raiders having playoff hopes. The Chargers' playoff hopes are dwindling. But the one thing I will say as well for Vegas, and I've talked about them earlier in the season, other your team. All of their losses, six of their seven losses, have been by a touchdown or less. They only got blowout one game against that weird one against uh, New Orleans. But this is a team that's five and seven that could easily be like you know eight and three or eight and two or whatever nine and two. They're in position to make a run now that they're actually finding ways to finish games. Yeah, we're trying to finish off our show. So last couple here: Indianapolis and Dallas. And oh my goodness, did Indianapolis die? They did, and this is not the reason I'm going to say this, but I was wondering if you want to do another little – you want to do a, a different bet. Maybe we just bet on the Super Bowl. I, right now, I think the Bengals and the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. You. That's all I have to say. You. Who would you pick? Eagles and who? You know, I'm honestly not sure. I feel like the Bengals right now are the best team, so I can see Eagles-Bengals, which is why I think our bet's going to be fun. Could be a lot of fun. We'll keep it, but I'm just saying, from the NFC right now, man, Dallas Cowboys is, are on fire. But, I, you know – People have been talking about all year, Tony Pollard, best running back on the team. But even Ezekiel Elliott played great in this game, too. Mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb played great. This whole team 
this whole team's playing great, Dan. I don't want to go in on any individual player on this. Mm-hmm. I just want to say they're, they're putting it together. And this was actually with a very pedestrian game by Michael Parsons. And watch sure. PFF probably graded him out as the best damn player on the field. <laughs> but just saying, like, he's usually the guy that's just creating all kinds of havoc for him defensively. But I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not going to zero in any players. I just want to say I think the Cowboys have figured it out. I want to say when the draft rolls around, they'll have the luxury of probably doing anything they want. But I think mm-hmm. it should probably be in the back end of that defense personally. Sure. So just, you know, for the sake of time. But, yeah, everybody did good. A plus, 54 on the dead Colts. There you go. And the, the Colts are, yeah, I mean, you, you can wax poetic as much as you want about how good Dallas played. They played against the bad team. And as much as I like the whole Jeff Saturday experiment, it's just shown that this is not a very good team in Indianapolis. They were supposed to be contending for the playoffs now that they grabbed uh, Matt Ryan, and then they just haven't been able. And their offensive line has been surprisingly not great, and uh, Quentin Nelson has been surprisingly not great. And it might be part of the fact that he's playing with a bunch of guys who aren't as good as him, but that's a, they need O-line help. That's, that's pretty much where that's going to come from. Quiddy Pay, I'll give him this. Uh, nine tackles, one sack, one for a loss. That's nice for him. Alec Pierce, who admittedly has fallen behind Watson on the, the pecking order uh, for your little bet there, still had 86 and a touchdown on four catches. So a couple bright spots for the Colts, but overall this was just a very, very dismal day and, and just a party for uh, for Dallas out there in, the, uh, in Jerry's world. Last game of the week. Holy wow, what a way to finish off a week of football with the Bucks and the Saints and three and a half quarters of Tom Brady looking like an old man. Dan, again, I, I don't know that I can zero in on any player here. I want to start with I'll start with the fact that I called that beginning last week, that's when we were going to start to see the the Bucks turn the corner and this offense yeah. was going to take off. It did in the fourth quarter. Um, <laughs> Took most of the game. But to I do just got to say this again. I just want to reiterate that Chris Godwin is 100% healthy. Very helpful. Um, but my goodness, like if I were to talk about one player, like I feel like we have to in this game. We have to. Tom Brady, like it fuels my argument that there's quarterbacks in the league. Now I understand this is the entirety pretty much of the, at least the second half of the fourth quarter. Right. But there's, there's a world where you don't want to like leave – people time this wasn't like the right. thanksgiving day game where i was like i don't want josh allen to get the ball back do not call your timeouts let that damn clock go try to win <laughs> it as time expires right but like tom Brady, my goodness regular season broke he's got the most fourth quarter comebacks now and like just to see like how does he get in the psycho tom flip the switch mode where he looked <laughs> not very good the entirety of this game and all of a sudden he's going oh shit we don't have much time left. All right, let's just focus. And yeah. he's got a different look on his face. It was his yeah. daughter's birthday. Maybe she called him. She's like, Dad, I just want to win. I don't know what happened to Dan. I don't know. But that <laughs> last two drives that he had, it was absolutely incredible. He was the best quarterback in the NFL in those last two drives. Where did that right. come from? A, a good question. I mean, he was obviously shouting it out with the offense on the sideline because you could see he was frustrated throughout this game that that what they did in the last you know, two drives wasn't what they were able to do the rest of the game. The good news for them was their defense continues to play pretty solidly. And against a not great Saints team, they managed to, to put them away. Uh, and again, that's the thing. You know who the bright spot was for the Saints? Probably Taysom Hill. T- Taysom Hill, who was getting lit up. He had a good game, but my goodness, it felt like he was just so close to making a big play all the time. And then he just got absolutely crushed. <laughs> I give that man full props for. I can't believe he kept getting up. 
Yeah. It was like a bad Rocky scene, like where he's just getting pummeled. <laughs> it was yeah. bad. But again, he still got a touchdown, still affected the game in a positive way all the way around. And uh, Rashid Shaheed had uh, four for 75. So that's another young guy that's been nice to see them step up a little bit. And uh, Alave had an okay game. But again, this is a Saints team that's not good this year. And they gave away a game. They they gave away a game. They you did give it away. And the dogs are jumping in the on it. The dogs are going. They're going. Last Marcus thing I want to say about game. I'll give him props for that as well. But overall, this is a Saints team that needs a lot of help in a lot of places. And if I had to pinpoint one need for them, uh, it's it's probably the O-line, probably you know, the DB. Those would be the two spots, right? And quarterback, right? Yeah. They they clearly need to come up with a better plan. As much as I like Andy Dalton, both he and Jameis Winston are not the future for this franchise. So a whole lot of question marks for New Orleans. A whole lot of question marks for what we're even going to talk about now that college football is wrapped up, man. This is going to be a – NFL intensive episode going forward because we've got a mock draft coming up. Real quick, before we put a bow on it, I had to give one shout out to rookie fourth round pick tight end, a Husky, if you will. Seems how my Huskies ran down, had to say hello. Kate Otten. Yep. He's becoming a bit more reliable. I'm curious to see how he factors in this game plan moving forward because he seems to be like Godwin and Otten are like the the go to guys to just make quick short passes to. And Evans is going down the field. Otten had. Six grabs, only twenty-eight yards. We got a touchdown too. So, you know, Brady loves You know, Brady loves his tight ends. Yeah, I actually picked them up today in our fantasy league, just in case. Sure, sounds good. All right, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this one up? Uh, nope. Let's just wait for the college football playoffs. Oh, dude, we're not even going to have a college football like preview. There's only like one game this week, isn't it? Just the oh, Army no. Navy. We'll talk a little Army Navy love, and then we'll get into bowl games after that. It's Is that the great. only game? That's the only the game. only game. Yep. Okay. All right. Get a chance to see Mr. Carter in action. All right. Well, hey, we'll wrap it up for today. Thank you for joining us and uh, getting the notes together. We're going to hit you up with our latest update of the mock draft coming notes up. Notes together. What notes? Yeah. yeah, I did that on purpose. You like that? Uh-huh. All right. Hey, well, let's wrap it up. We'll catch you next time on Draft Draft. Draft.